You're listening to the Seaworthy Podcast, episode 13, Building Businesses That Create Value. Seaworthy is a podcast about building successful software. Today, we're talking about building businesses that scratch your own itch and create value for others with Kyle Brager of Exposure. excited to have Kyle Brager on the show with me today. Kyle's a co-founder and lead developer at Exposure, the best way to publish beautiful photo stories on the internet. Kyle is a seasoned entrepreneur with experience designing and developing ideas that create value for users. You may know him by other projects such as Forest, StatShot, or ThingsList. Welcome to Seaworthy, Kyle. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah, so before we kind of get started, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you kind of got started in, in building things? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been professionally building things, I guess, for going on, yeah, just about a decade now. Um, got started, I guess, as a bored teenager um, with Visual Basic 3, I think I got, um, through less than above board means. Um back when you could just download zip files of stuff like that. Um, <laughs> right. Not too painfully, but anyway, yeah, VB3. Um, I had stumbled upon, I don't know, there was a like desktop customization community called DeskMod and a few others um, that were building like Windows Explorer uh, replacement apps and whatnot. So um, yeah, just started trying to recreate stuff that I saw um, for fun, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, sort of accidentally got into professional development first with WordPress back in like five or six. Um, was actually pre-med um, and then ended up uh, kind of realizing that I liked computer stuff a whole lot more and probably would leave me with less debt in the end. So um, ended up getting a job in New York City um, right when I turned 21. Um, after I'd been doing some client work for a few years and, um, that was with the, the Huffington Post, just mm -hmm. doing engineering. Um, yeah, moved there sort of with two weeks notice type of thing, just up and left. And, um, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy ride since then, but that was the start. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. I think hear that a lot with of, uh, a lot of different designers and developers just getting started uh, tinkering around, right? And then kind of realizing that, you know, this is something that you're passionate about building and creating things and, you know, figuring out how things work and, and solving problems. It's interesting. So so you didn't go to school at all, is that right? Um, I don't know how many credits that I have, um, biochem undergrad, um, certainly not enough to graduate uh, unless I went back and finished a bunch up, but um, yeah, I also have some some German and computer science stuff uh, randomly scattered in there, but yeah, no, I never finished undergrad. Gotcha. And that's, I think, more common, obviously, especially today with like Treehouse, I know they're marketing, uh, you know, don't start out to get ahead, don't go behind in debt, right? Um, yeah, no, for sure. And I, um, I think through my high school, like whatever percentage I graduated in, everyone was given basically at the local community college, um, totally free, uh, 
free ride for two years or something like that. And it was actually where a lot of the, um, the uh, Rutgers um, pharmacy students went to do their undergrad. Mm-hmm. So it was you know, good enough for them. It was good enough for me. Um, yeah, so fortunate to have no student debt to speak of, um, even, you know, even stopping midway through. But right. uh, yeah, people get buried in that and not to digress or anything. But yeah, very fortunate to not be in that kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so what do you do outside of work? I mean, obviously you're designing, developing things. You're an uh, entrepreneur of sorts. Yeah, um, it's funny you now these days, especially in the last uh, eight months or so since we had our first kid, um, way less computer stuff. It's kind of nice, I guess. You kind of get burnt out after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and a friend and advisor of actually Elipath, which we'll get to, um, I guess, in a few minutes here, got us all into uh, sort of weightlifting and, and I guess CrossFit types of activities back when we were on a team retreat in Berlin a number mm-hmm. of years back. Um, and I kind of stuck with the, the weightlifting part. So I've been doing that for a while. Um, and uh, recently picked up um, scale model building, which I did mm-hmm. as a kid, which is incredibly and surprisingly cathartic, um, non-computer sort of thing, but still an interesting creative outlet for me at least. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise just baby wrangling and um, we just bought a house here um, a few weeks ago. So in Chattanooga, um, so that's got no end to uh, the number of things we have to do. So definitely yeah. kept busy. Exciting things. Yeah. Congrats on the, the baby and in, uh, in the house. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So it feels like it's all happening at once, I guess. But yeah, it's a huge, huge weight off my shoulders for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um. So I guess the, the, the biggest thing you're working on right now is called exposure. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that came about? Sure, yeah. Um, so after I sold Forest in 2012, um, I think a few months later, wife and I got married when we were still living in New York. Um, and a friend of mine who's sort of a, um avid illustrator and internet personality, Pascal De Silva, um, who I guess I'd met through Forrest actually, um, hit me up and said that he had just joined a sort of startup incubator thing called Helipath um, that was out in San Francisco and they were working on really cool stuff and it was kind of like a creative playhouse, I guess, where you could go and work on whatever you wanted to and have that support network as far as legal and accounting and um, office space and whatever you needed really to, um, you know, move something forward. So, uh, ended up doing that. Um, I think we pulled the trigger on moving in September, 2012 or so. Um, so wife and I moved out there and started Elpeth and did a whole bunch of stuff. Um, as both me coming out of about three, three, three and a half years of forest, you know, I was trying to find my professional slash creative self again mm-hmm. after that. And then also just as a company figuring out, you know, what a startup incubator meant, I guess. Um, so we, yeah, we, we did a bunch of things. Um, and then I convinced this uh, guy from the UK, Luke Beard, 
to basically move uh, across um, the Atlantic and come join us. Um, he's a super talented designer and photographer as well. And through this model that we had at Ellipath, which was just creative people working on stuff they care about, um, the free, I guess, whatever idea was the, the seed of exposure started. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it worked basically was if you had an interesting idea that you wanted to see kind of go into the world, um, you did whatever you could to kind of mock it up or build an MVP or, you know, understanding still that not everyone necessarily had coding chops or design chops or vice versa, but mm-hmm. enough to see something, you know, get a sense for what it was. Um, and we had a little, I forget now the exact formula because it changed so much, but we had a little internal flow for graduating things, so to speak, from one phase to the next. And um, yeah, he sort of, he had this notion about a thing that would eventually become exposure for photographers like him, getting his photos online in a more meaningful way. And um, we kept working on it and we kept, it kept making sense and, you know, we got the green light to keep going further and further in this uh, incubator process, I guess. And um, yeah, it's been, that was, I think the first bit of it we started working on in July or so, 2013. So it's been about four years now, which seems crazy to say, but um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was out of Ellipath. And we actually, um, I guess the last step, so to speak, was we spun it out uh, into its own company in Mm -hmm. early 2015. So about um, a little over two years ago. So Luke and I became its co-founders and Ellipath has a stake uh, in it for basically helping its inception and um, yeah, it's been running independently since then and um, got a little seed round done back when we did the spin out and just humming along at this point. Yeah, that's exciting. And it's not the, the first product to spin out, is it? Path? Um, yeah, the other big one was Keezy and I think now um, Keezy is their primary focus um, as far as the other things that got worked on. Um, mm-hmm. We Let's see, that would have been sort of around the same time, maybe a little bit, I don't remember, before or after uh, uh, exposure, but yeah, around, around the same general time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think they just sort of consolidated the company around Keezy. So in a sense, another de facto spin out, you could say. Um, but then, yeah, there was one other thing called ThingList, which was a, an iOS app that um, Pascal and I were working on um, pre-exposure Zillodelopath, um, which we, we, I think we did like three major releases, did a cool promo video. Um, it was our first dip into the app store. Um, so it was kind of a, uh, a good learning experience, you know, getting, getting through the weeds of Apple promotion and all that, you know, how that old crazy system worked. Right. Um, I think in the end, there's maybe 150 or 60,000 downloads. Um, got some cool press, was fun to work on. Um, but I think we ended up selling it off to another uh, another team to move forward. And I, I honestly haven't kept up with what happened to it. But yeah, it was my first iOS app. And as as a company, your incubator, Ellipath's first real foray into the App Store ecosystem. So I think it probably was pretty helpful in 
in you know once Kesey started happening and that team that was working on it since we had we had some prior contact with Apple you know promotional people and just generally understanding how that all worked back then so yeah it's cool I'm looking at actually at my kink, my things list uh, list right now <laughs> with all of the uh, to do lists and apps and list making things I still use things list. Uh... Probably oh, cool. Probably only a couple times a month, but I'll add things that are like books. You'd like to keep in there, and then eventually I'll add them to like my Amazon wish list. But yeah, it's a, it's a cool. Uh, oh well, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm sad it. Uh, we didn't get to work on it more, but yeah, the you know to do list space. I think every engineer has to make a to do list at some point, right? So yeah. yeah, that was um, that was Elipath, and then the yeah, exposure. Um, spun out and independent now and um, yeah it's kind of kind of crazy really just applying this whole idea of how you could almost formulaically create software businesses and then actually have it work mm -hmm. yeah I'd be interested to, to kind of dig into that a little more um, so at Elopath you had uh, basically a management team I mean is, is it your traditional incubator where they maybe have a board of people that and, and you know they're funded by a firm to kind of create these things and fund them and get them into the wild or is it more of sounds like it's more of like a not an entrepreneur in residence but like you know designer developer in residence and you would kind of come together and um, create ideas or did you guys do client work can you um, speak a little bit more about that yeah process? sure no absolutely um yeah, uh, the founder uh, is called Jake Lodwick. He did Vimeo with a few other people, Connected Ventures, College Humor, that little mm -hmm. group. Um, and I forget the exact number that he raised, but he raised some money basically um, and started hiring creative friends. Um, so I think at at our peak, I forget, we were maybe seven or eight people. Um, there was, yeah... He was sort of our buffer to the investors in Allopath itself, mm -hmm. which was great. Um, and then there was, um, yeah, there's just legal and accounting and whatever else we needed um, that you'd end up spending a lot of money on, especially in the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, just designer and developer types, mostly um, a lot of Ruby and some iOS disciplines. And then um, Pascal was sort of the wild card as far as his illustration chops and then yeah, it was just, if you had a creative idea, you know, we kind of had this evolving um, system, you know, as long as you played nicely within the, the system that uh, that we had for sort of vetting things along the way, just so it wasn't a total free-for-all. Because um, mm -hmm. in the end, you know, we're still employees and the company still had investors. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very open and definitely, I mean, I think exposure is... is prime prime support that it, it worked um mm -hmm. and i think you know i i think easy's also doing pretty well as well so i mean it's at least two legit web businesses or you know internet businesses that came out of it so i think that's a pretty good track record and they're both still still going all these years later which um you know i couldn't tell you the average time until your typical startup uh crashes and burns but i I think we've passed that point. So yeah, I think it's like three years. <laughs> yeah, so far, so good, at least. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a cool model. Just interested to 
Yeah. Interesting to hear more about that. You yeah, know, a yeah, lot of the sure. companies we work with are similar. Like people come to us with ideas and we, you know, basically vet, we put them along our process of, you know, fact finding and sense making of, hey, you have an idea. Is there a problem? Is there a market? Is the user who we think it is? You know, how do we start gaining some confidence behind that? And it sounds like that was, you know, a similar, a similar model there where, like you mentioned, building an MVP and building something to kind of sell forward to the team. Were you doing any, um, any of that kind of, you know, talking with users and stuff along the way to kind of prove it out before you vetted and said, hey, yeah, we're going to go ahead and build this thing um, completely or, or pursue this thing um, fully? Was there any of that or was it more just kind of selling to, um, you know, the owner and, and maybe some of the other stakeholders uh, within Allopath? Um, no, it was, it was pretty much, at least from my experience, how you would probably do things outside of the context of an incubator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not definitely wanting to solve real people's problems. And, and that was sort of the prime directive, I guess, for us was always know, know the user. Um, I think they called it a muser, like a muse and user sort of mm-hmm. combo, but something like that. Um, a little quirky. But uh, yeah, just yeah. just knowing who you're building for, because I think a lot of things end up getting built where it's just because you can or because it's cool to use XYZ tech in it mm-hmm. um, and maybe focusing on that versus actually uh, you know, solving somebody's problem that they're willing to give you money for in the end. Um, and just as a caveat, that's certainly not to say that you shouldn't Build stuff just to try out tech or right. you know, really for any any or no reason but as far as we were concerned you know again because there was a not an not an unlimited amount of money and and we needed to prove that this wasn't just a bunch of crazy people you know mm-hmm. in san francisco or anything um but yeah making sure we knew the user and that could be you i mean there was no rule necessarily that said um you can't build your own you know, solve your own problem. And for Luke, he was solving his problem at, for photographer Luke. Right. Um, but as long as you could clearly articulate who that person was, what their problem is, and how your solution, you know, was sort of a painkiller for them, um, then it was fair game. Yeah, that's cool. Can you kind of take us back in time to when, you know, Luke had the idea for something like exposure and kind of maybe the process of, like what, what your key learnings were, what, you know, your aha moment was in realizing that, hey, this is big enough of a problem to solve. You know, we should definitely pursue this a little bit more. Um, can you kind of take us back a little bit on, into that? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, he had he had um, done some just static mock-ups, I think, uh, if I recall, of like, a, I guess the, the post page that this publishing tool that he was thinking about would spit out. Um, and it was pretty, it was pretty rich as far as it was polished. You know, it was, it was what was in his head, and he did a pretty great job of getting it down on paper, so to speak. Um, and we built enough to just wire up that page for him. I think. I hope I'm not totally misremembering this. Um, you might end up with like an alternative podcast or whatever. The, Alternative facts podcast. Yeah, alternative facts. Yeah. Um, this is the the real deal, I think. But anyway, yeah, I think um, he he wired up or he designed the post page, and we just made a 
stupid simple CMS just so he could upload to it and that didn't have users or it had users, but there was no way to actually create an account. It was just Luke. Um, and then he was running it on a subdomain of his personal site. And we knew as soon as people started losing their minds um, when they saw it and asking for it, um, that there was something there. Um, and then we built, yeah, like V1 or an MVP uh, of exposure, um, which didn't look so different from how it is today as far as the storytelling feature, um, sort of the, the original way to publish these long form groups of photos with the grids that automatically size for any device, you know, screen size or whatever. Um, and um, we then also did, I think, a paid beta. So I think we charged money from almost day one, even the beta users, we gave like a 50% lifetime discount or something. Um, and he had just invited all his his photographer contacts from within San Francisco and elsewhere. Um, maybe 150 people total were using it in beta, and um, yeah, so it was it was the initial initially when people were just freaking out about wanting to use it when they saw him using it on his personal site, and then with this beta, um, yeah, people started subscribing and giving us their money and 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 just becoming really, I guess, big early promoters of it. Mm -hmm. um, it was, some things, you know, you never know. It's kind of, could go either way, but it was, I think to us at least at the time, it was really clear that there was something there and it was worth continuing to work on, especially when people are getting their hard-earned money and giving it to you. Um, I think that's a pretty good show of confidence. Right, and, and people that, you know, photographers that have, been in the industry for a while and you know would have seen something else come along that you know obviously didn't meet their needs or wasn't what they're looking for from an ease of use standpoint or presentation whatever it might be you know they had a, a plenty of opportunity at that time to see many other solutions that didn't fit the mold yeah totally and i think i think also what was interesting was um this was maybe and again, this is, it's crazy that this has been four years already. Um, I, I recall something with Instagram at the time, which people were really upset about. It might have been a change to their advertising policy or uh, algorithm or something people were, or maybe it was just the acquisition. Maybe that was the timing. That would have been about four years ago, I think. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, we were definitely seeing this sort of um, widespread discomfort I guess with photographers that um, they've invested so much into a platform. Yeah, I'm almost positive actually it was the Instagram acquisition. Um, but yeah, just feeling sold out, I guess. But I mean, this is like as old as old as the internet. Practically, this whole notion of you know who's the user and everything, as far as who's paying, who's mm -hmm. supporting the the product. Um, so it was important for us. Um, to make sure that there was a really clear answer to that with exposure, um, which parlayed into just having subscriptions and charging people, you know, a pretty reasonable amount of money for what I think is a really great service um, in hopes not only to build a sustainable company, but also um, just alleviate those fears of, will you be around in six months, right. you know, will there be pressure to sell out to a bigger company that's going to probably shut you down and 
destroy every post that I've ever spent time making and um, you know and and that was that was definitely important to to make sure we yeah to had an answer to that that we really felt good about and um, not to get sidetracked too much but I guess there's yeah we, this sort of touches on I guess like a almost an ethical question of companies now um, we, we want exposure above all else to just be ethical mm-hmm. and never do anything that we would ever feel uh, ashamed of or or otherwise uneasy um, you know having our names attached to and I think one of these things is just having a really clear link um, yeah between you join the service you remember you pay us five dollars or nine dollars a month or whatever plan it is um, that's your part of it and then our sort of promise is that we're building a sustainable company and we're not going to just disappear overnight because there's there's a plan there mm-hmm. um, yeah so it was definitely an interesting time then with everyone's yeah everyone being so upset with I guess the Instagram acquisition and then over the years we've seen other services come and go um, storehouse was, was really beautiful sort of mm-hmm. iOS version of I guess maybe more of a lightweight thing that we were doing. Um, I think they ended up at Apple maybe, but same thing, you know, unfortunately um, they never quite figured out the business model and ran out of money, I think. And, or I assume anyway. Um, And then, yeah, everyone who had invested time in that platform, well, export and move on, I guess. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think especially people in tech, we've all been um, on the receiving end of that where you get that email, so sorry, you know, we're, we got to shut down for this reason or that reason or we're acquired and the whole, you know, we're super thrilled slash excited slash humbled. Uh, everything's going to be the same. Nothing will change, we promise. And then six months later, you know, sorry. Yeah, I guess right. we didn't, didn't uh, see that one coming and then the service goes away, so... Anyway, not to get on a super long tirade, but um, we just don't want that to be exposure. We want to make yeah. sure that we're we're building this thing for our, our our members and no one else. And yes, we have investors, but um, in the scope of seed rounds, um, ours was pennies compared to some companies. And we also have a business model to back our growth and sustainability um, right, and aside from that. So, um, yeah, but... Uh, that's um that's kind of exposures i guess promise you could say yeah no yeah that's great to know and kind of you know on that same track is just you know building a sustainable company you kind of come up with at least one other semi-related product that i know of um in stat shot right yeah stat shot um and that was uh basically can you give us a rundown on, on what that was and that that was by exposure right it wasn't yeah that? yeah exactly okay. Um, that was, that was, a I I think maybe a year into the spin out or so. Um, yeah, we had been dabbling with us with this idea. Uh, and actually when we, when we formed the company, um, when we did the spin out, we called it exposure labs. Um, just thinking, you know, our, I guess our underlying mission is make good things for photographers. Um, mm-hmm. so 
yes, that chat was an experiment, sort of the first and to date only other um, external non-exposure uh, product, or I guess diff yeah, different name, um, quasi spin out type of thing um, that we'd worked on, but it was basically a, an email with some easy to digest stats about your Instagram accounts. So you can mm -hmm. connect up to five um, Instagram accounts and then we'd send you, you know, follower growth um, for that day or week and um, engagement across your, your posts. And we tried to calculate reach using one of the few available kind of estimation formulas. Um, mm -hmm. And people liked it for sure. Um, in the end, I think, you know, this, at least in my experience, this is a pretty common thing and not surprising that with our team being so small, it's just Luke and I full time and then uh, sort of a rotating cast of freelancers as we need them uh, on engineering or whatever it might be. Um, you know, our, our main focus is and always has been exposure and stat shot probably could have been quite interesting and there's other sort of similar things in the space, but if we focused on it, you know, we, I think we, we set like a six week, you know, we'll, we'll build this and we'll release it and we'll see how initial reception is. But um, it got some paying users. It had like a tiered business uh, business model, um, I think based on how many followers, the total, your total followers across the connected account, something like that. But it never really hit this really crazy inflection point where it, it was clear that it was something that needed to get worked on. And mm -hmm. it just became sort of a, um, a distraction in the end that that we could have either tried to spin out and hire a team around or um, yeah but for us there was just not enough time to go around with exposure just being what it is and clear to us at least that it's um, pretty successful um, on its own we decided to try to try to see if there was another team that we felt good about handing the reins to. Um, and there were a few things, but this was this was also right when Instagram changed their API um, rules, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so we would have gotten impacted um, for a few different uh, reasons. So yeah, we had a, we almost had a sale uh, lined up, but it just, it would have been too much investment in terms of re uh, rebuilding the parts of Statshot to comply with the new API usage guidelines that it just didn't make sense for you know, the amount that we were we were looking at and the, just the time factor for the other party as well. Um, you know, we didn't want to hand off this thing, uh, say, see you later, and then suddenly, you know, a week later, Instagram's new rules take effect and they're left with a, a brick. Um, right. So we just, we just decided to, uh, as they say, sunset it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I remember it uh, kind of coming out and that actually had, uh, I want to say the domain and the Twitter. I don't know if you knew this, but Luke reached out to me. Hey, looks like you're the only follower on StatShot. Uh, <laughs> and I ended up handing over the reins to him. I don't know if you remember that. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Huh, small world then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, see, so you have a, a small part in our ongoing history. <laughs> right. Um yeah, I forget what, I don't know, I forget what it was for originally, but um, yeah, something I had snagged up, I don't know, I'm assuming many years ago and <laughs> just 
kid. Interesting that, you know, Luke had reached out and was familiar with exposure and everything already. So yeah, that's awesome. It was cool. Seaworthy is brought to you by Headway, a product focused team for hire. Headway helps companies validate ideas, build out products and grow through experimentation and technical execution. If you have an idea that you're looking to gain traction on or a current product you're building that needs expertise with product design or development, check us out at headway.io and let's make waves. Um, yeah, so I guess the um, other part of your history is that you were part of uh, a 500 startups cohort. Yeah, uh, batch three, I think, was yeah back in 2011. Yeah, can you, uh, I guess, tell us a little bit more about that before we get back to exposure? Sure. Yeah, um, that was for Forrest. Um, so that happened through an introduction from Gary Vaynerchuk, who um, I was working, prior to Forrest, was working with Gary on uh, one of his many ventures called Corked, which was like a wine review site that actually um, Dan Cederholm had started. And I think Gary bought or something and wanted to... Uh, grow as part of his wine empire. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we worked on that for a while um, and Cork eventually ended up not working out and um, I was still kind of camping out in their office and I had been working on Forest or the, the, the predecessor to it um, for a little while and showed Gary because we had, you know, I had sort of uh, looked at him as a mentor uh, in a sense and he thought it was super cool and basically offered to fund its development for like a year or something. Um, so I worked on it out of the VaynerMedia offices. Um, and then, yeah, it, it did its thing and got to a point where um, kind of thinking of what was next as far as its growth and um, got me in touch with um, Dave McClure. And uh, yeah, we got accepted to the, the 500 startups. I think it was batch three. Yeah, because Luke, Luke was actually in batch two when he was working with um, a boy, Zerfly. Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember Zerfly. Yeah. Are they still around? I think, yeah, they, I think they're doing like um, um, video film production, um, you know, uh, employee referrals or something like that, where it's like LinkedIn, but just um, for that sector. Right, like endorsing someone via video or something. Yeah, yeah, like like if people are who are working in film and TV or some, I think that's like a really really interesting um, niche because I think it was more tech, you know, tech people oriented at first. But um, but yeah, so Luke was in batch two. I don't think we ever ran into each other then. Um, but yeah, so we we um, my designer partner and I went out to Mountain View for a couple of months and uh, worked on Forest. Uh, and did the whole 500 startups thing and had a lot of fun um, doing that. It was also just interesting, uh, I guess, unexpected side effect was a really good bonding experience for he and I as well, um, which I guess when you're, you know, two people working uh, in an apartment in Mountain View away from your your partners in, um, you know, across the country, it can, mm -hmm. can do that. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun and definitely a good growth, personal and professional growth experience for both of us. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was on Forrest. I think it was maybe three or four months ago I, I came across uh, my Forrest profile and 
that was pretty comical taking a look at what i had posted and <laughs> it's still up um i know yeah. i just i just realized the other day it was eight years um since i started that wow it was oh nine so no Time flies yeah wow so sad but <laughs> so i had no idea that uh that gary was uh part of that inception or um you know your work with vaynermedia definitely familiar with him and his books and uh, yeah no it was sniffy um, sniff. yeah <laughs> yeah he he and his brother aj were were both um to give credit where it's due of course um were both uh super helpful and, and supportive after um, Corked, because AJ, I guess, is the VaynerMedia co-founder. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, after Quark kind of went into the sunset, um, yeah, it was just really good timing and a, you know, a good relationship um, to have at the time. Um, but yeah, first, uh, I guess, first investors in it. Um, and then, yeah, 500 startups happened and we did um, a tiny little seed round, I guess, as part of that. Um, and then that ended and I think we sold the company a few months after that to, um, creative market. Yeah, that would have been, yeah, we would probably would have been done in December and, and then I think we kind of sold the company around April then. So hmm. yeah, maybe in credit to 500 startups, uh, helping us get over a hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. That's all <clears throat> exciting. Your uh, background and, you know, quite a few different uh, verticals, but obviously all related to, uh, to what you do personally, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it feels a bit, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say myopic, but sometimes I, I get the, well, I guess, you know, exposure is, is definitely outside of my wheelhouse. Um, my wife has a background in photography. Um, but I, I certainly don't, but, um, yeah, I guess there's a community aspect to exposure um, and just generally making things for creative people, whether that's designers, developers, photographers, whoever. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a common thread. I think yeah. also the thing I kind of realized is I just, I like helping people improve their craft and be prosperous in whether that's our industry or photography or whatever. Um, I think that maybe is the this secret underlying thread to all the things that I've tried to do that mm -hmm. I never maybe realized originally. But yeah, it's just it's a good feeling to see other people succeed. So if I can help uh, engender that in some super tiny way, then I'm happy. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I didn't know that exposure was only two people <laughs> so yeah. that's cool yeah um, we we've been hearing that a lot lately as we've gotten a little i guess more visible maybe that um oh you're only two people i thought it was 20. um it has its ups and downs uh, you know there are some days where it just feels like there's a million things that we're never going to get done but mm -hmm. um it's better actually now that i'm i lived in berlin for two years um after uh san francisco um and we actually and I just moved to Chattanooga, so back in the States uh, last February or so. So it's definitely better as far as um, workday is concerned that I'm a little closer time zone-wise to Luke because um, San Francisco to Berlin was just, you know, I'm, I'm ready to call it a day and, and he's just kind of getting up. Um, right. 
you know, I think it works for some people and we thought it, we thought it would work for us and it did for a little while, but you know, it, it ended up, it's way better now, um, that we're, we're definitely closer, um, and just have more overlap. So that's helped us be more effective, but yeah, no, it's, it's a small operation. Um, and, uh, yeah, who knows what the future will hold too. It just, it's hard to imagine that it's a giant company also. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything is possible down the line for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess with that kind of in mind, you mentioned, you know, there's a laundry list of things that, you know, may never, may never get done or, you know, you wonder when they're going to get done. How do you guys, I guess, think about, you know, growth and and expanding beyond you too. You mentioned you use freelancers and such, but I mean, how does, you know, new features and functionality and, and stuff get prioritized into the roadmap and how do you pick on, you know, prioritize what you're going to work on and tackle in a given uh, sprint or I guess maybe that, that we'll go into that next uh, workflow, but. Oh yeah, sure. How do you um, prioritize? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a weird mix of gut and data. Um, I, you know, the one thing I will admit about myself is that I'm not that dogmatic. Um, uh, yeah. I and mean, we'll get into it in a few minutes uh, here, but we definitely follow pieces of different project management approaches and, um, there's some method to our madness as far as how we decide what to build. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of it is just with, with Luke being in the photography world, knowing, um, the audience there, mm-hmm. you know, cause he, he's also still building very much for himself as well. Um, but yeah, I think, um, we kind of jokingly say if only one person asks for something, then just, you know, forget about it. But we don't, literally mean that but I think there is something to kind of seeing based on your scale you know for us we have a certain amount of if if people are buzzing about a a certain feature that they feel is missing you know we kind of get a sense whether it's literally one person who has kind of an off-the-wall very specific use case type of thing Mm -hmm. or it's like you know our inboxes are just blowing up because every other member is in dire need of this thing. So usually it's somewhere in between. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, we kind of take into account um, how much how much people are really clamoring for it, whether it makes sense in the big picture of what exposure is or um, should be. Um, you know, as far as maybe some of the more um, one-off um, feature requests. Um, you know, like if you're if someone were to ask for doing like an Excel file import of story content, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of a, we would probably not, not really prioritize that very high um, versus what we actually just released in beta. Uh, we'll, we'll officially launch in a little while here called Gallery, which is basically the first, um, it's a pretty big new way for exposure uh, members to be able to publish content. So the whole time that we've existed, we've had this um, sort of long form, you get your cover photo and then uh, photo you know, groups of photos and the grid layout is all automatic and you can intersperse um, uh, long form content with a cool editor like Medium or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, gallery is way more short form and um, you know, title, optional description, up to 50 photos. You can pick a couple layouts, um, way more uh, I guess rules you could say around how it looks and works, but 
we've seen a huge uptick in people publishing because the story, you know, people, people get, um, I guess, I don't know, shy is maybe not the right descriptor, but um, I think people were taking up, up to a month sometimes. Um, so yeah, like 34 days or something like that um, between creating a story and publishing because they mm -hmm. want to get it right. There's a lot of, um, you know, their, their own internal bar that they have for its quality and also feeling like the exposure content in the, you know, in the broad sense, making sure, uh, almost feeling daunted by making sure that it, it feels at home among everything else that people publish. Right. Um, but yeah, gallery was, gallery was just like a, a total no brainer. So many people were asking for, I mean, they didn't know they were asking for a gallery, but, um, asking for something easier and way less friction to publish. So yeah, that made, that made complete sense. And we prioritize that pretty high, but yeah, it all, you know, we'll also look at data. We, we try to measure a lot of different things. Um, you know, some important pages will measure even which, uh, like billing and, and some other funnel, um, pages, what button they clicked to sign up. Was it in the, header footer somewhere you know what section mm -hmm. um we don't typically get super drilled down like that but where it makes sense um but yeah we'll, we'll also do sort of semi-regular audits of just hey we released xyz feature uh three months ago um you know are a lot of people actually using it because our you know let's we'll just use as an example people wanted to be able to um add their own uh, SEO metadata to post. Right. Not everybody needs it or knows what that is even, but for the for the decently large group of people who were asking for it, it made sense. We added it as a paid feature. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll do a check-in after we do something like that after a month or three months and say how that worked out. Our hunch was that people needed it and we'd see this kind of usage and cool, yeah, we see that that was about right or Wow, more people than we thought, or fewer people than we thought, are using it. Um, just as a, I guess, a way to tune our own um, barometer for what what makes sense. But mm -hmm. I just feel like it's almost a, I don't know, like a dark art in a way with with building products to know what the right thing is to work on. Because um, you could, yeah, you can do the really, I guess data only approach, you know, which of the 40, what was that story from Twitter or Google, you know, the 43 shades of blue, um, whatever, the, whatever that was, you know, AB testing, what exact shade of blue this sign up button should be. Uh, and then the other hand is, is more like, um, I guess the completely gut driven development, uh, which is, we think this might be good. <laughs> right. Um, with no data applied to it. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's also something that evolves. The sense evolves as the product evolves. And as you work on it more, I think Luke and I of, of six months in on exposure versus the Luke and I now probably would have had wildly different um, answers. If you asked us to predict whether a certain feature was worth building, um, you know, just cause we have, we have more experience with, the types of users who join Exposure, we have more experience with uh, working with each other and, and knowing what the company should be, and, you know, its identity and 
um, more data and yeah so I don't know it's an evolving thing but I, like I said I'm, I, I feel at least speaking for myself um, hopefully Luke would agree that we're both just not necessarily we don't we don't always draw within the lines so to speak as far as um, yeah how we're determining what to work on but it works and we have you know, super happy members and, and have been growing for four years and counting so Seaworthy is brought to you by Headway, a product-focused team for hire. Headway helps companies validate ideas, build out products, and grow through experimentation and technical execution. If you have an idea that you're looking to gain traction on, or a current product you're building that needs expertise with product design or development, check us out at headway.io and let's make waves. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, it's always uh, difficult to balance that. I mean, you've got like value, right, for the user, you've got the value for the company, you've got the effort to build something, you've got, you know, a plethora of other variables. Um, yeah, it's interesting to, to, to make those decisions for sure. Yeah, totally. Seems I mean, like, it seems like you guys are on a, yeah, have a compass set towards your users. So I think anytime you do that, focus on them first, you know, you it's going to be hard to lose. Yeah, we try. Yeah, the other red flag, I think, you know, you hear this a million times, I guess, but um, the, the I would I would subscribe if users, the people who don't pay you, but they, they swear that just build that one feature and they're totally going to subscribe, um, you know, the same day, I think, right. at least for us, unequivocally, never do. So that's a good, uh, you know, a good thing to see and say, you know, that's maybe a good a good warning sign to take heed of. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so I guess, you know, what other advice would you give to entrepreneurs that are looking to take their business idea uh, to market? Oh, man, uh, that's a good question. Um, we'd be here for hours probably. But <laughs> right. yeah, like I said, you know, sometimes I think that, uh, I don't know if maybe uh, this is to my own detriment or not, but um, I get really... Um, I get really wary of things that are too shiny and new and um, you know I think for people who want to build something and have an idea and would like to see it real and and have people using it and loving it um, to just focus on that I know it sounds really overly simplified and it probably is but um, it's really easy to get distracted by everything else that this industry has to offer, um, good and bad. You know, the thousand and one medium think pieces about should designers own refrigerators and, um, <laughs> you know, getting blinded by, oh, we have to raise money and, you know, do we have, what is the, the language that they always use? Is like, we have tier one Silicon Valley investors or whatever, you know, things like that. Um, right. So there's sort of like the cart before the horse type of thing. People worried about funding and, and VC dollars before they actually have something tangible. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you should know who your user is. That's hopefully not too much debate there, but um, know whether you're building something that's solving a problem for them knowing what the problem is, being able to really articulate it um, simply, um, or whether, you know, there's this thing I call solutions in search of problems, where 
it's just a thing that exists that doesn't really address anything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, I over the years I've seen people have legitimately good ideas that have asked for feedback or whatever. Um, but you know, then they send like a twenty-page um, Google Doc or something, and at the end of it, I'm just like, just tell me, tell me what you're building, tell me what you want to build, and right. inevitably, they're you know, when you just when you hear it from them in a sentence or two, it makes complete sense. But you know, there's people who think you have to write a business plan and and mm-hmm. follow you know twelve step program to get your idea um, into the world and don't even really have the ability to articulate what it is simply, which I think even for your own purposes, you have to, you have to know what you're building. Right. Cause if you can't, you know, if you don't know, no one else is going to figure it out for you. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know, keep your head down and, and try not to get distracted by, yeah, the VC stuff, the getting press and the, the million pieces of advice that are all, you know, that one silver bullet that everyone wants to exist. Um, you know, and for me as an engineer also, you know, I, I probably couldn't get hired anywhere um, because I don't really uh, keep up that bleeding edge with new technologies. Um, I guess maybe it's a function of just not having tons of time to do it. I, I don't really know, actually. Um, I never really, like React, for instance, still haven't really looked so deeply at it. Um, everyone's talking about it. It mm-hmm. seems interesting. It seems like it could be useful even for some exposure stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, I have to make the trade off of, um, it's, it's just Luke and I, um, right. if I use this brand spanking new, well, I mean, not so much anymore, but to me, at least this thing I'm not really comfortable with in a production setting because everyone's talking about it. Is that going to be good for exposure or bad for exposure? So, you know, it's maybe hopefully not coming off as too snarky or cynical, but um, things like that, you know, I think most, most apps end up being some permutation of put text in a box, put it in a database, spit it out on a page with a good looking design somehow. Um, so, you know, I feel like nine times out of 10 when people get stuck early on, it's just because they're overthinking all the other stuff that will eventually be relevant, but just get your app working you know it doesn't have to it, it could be as you know posting forms like we used to do once upon a time um no design or, or uh you know bootstrap or any of the other good sort of css starting points just make something i feel right. like that's the the bottom line really just you know don't get too mired in the the details just make make something that solves someone's problem and they're willing to support financially and then i think everything else kind of Falls in line after that. Mic drop. Huh. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, yeah, get it out there in the world. Get into people's hands. Create enough yeah. value for them to pay for. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, all, all good topics. So, uh, where can people follow you and, and learn more about uh, exposure or yourself and, and kind of stay up to date with with what you're doing? Sure. Yeah, uh, exposure is just exposure.co. Um, we tried to get the .com once, and it did not go as planned. Um, Twitter is, uh, actually, I think all of our social channels for exposure are just exposure, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that. Uh, I'm Kyle Bragger on Twitter, um, where I post 
uh, snarky dad jokes and um, new dad uh, jokes. Yeah, exactly. That's basically <laughs> it. Um, yeah, I've just been super disconnected from online stuff these days, but that's probably the easiest place to get me um, is there on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kyle. I appreciate it. Uh, great insight. Um, yeah, and, and thanks again. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, it was good. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for listening to Seaworthy. Connect with us and ask questions on Twitter at SeaworthyFM. Make sure you subscribe, and if you enjoyed it, leave a review on iTunes. Sail forth and make waves.